I have a psychiatrist friend who told me over lunch one day that he believes 90% of his patients are there in his office because of anger. I don't know the accuracy of his percentage, but we all do know anger is an issue for many of us. It's an issue in our society. And I feel that if we can hear these words of Jesus and it can make a difference in our life, one of the most contagious things we could do as a congregation is to be out in that world out there and be civil, self-controlled people in a society that's becoming increasingly uncivil. And so with that in mind, let's look to the Lord and see what he might have to say to us through this very important part of the Sermon on the Mount. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we've studied your words through these months, we see a profile of a person in this sermon that we'd like to be, and yet we have increased awareness that we cannot become that person in our own strength. And very specifically today, those of us prone to anger know what an impossible taskmaster anger is. We cannot control it without your help. And so we would find today through your Holy Spirit not only to hear the words of you told us not to be angry, but then to find that power by which that commandment can be obeyed and we can find wholeness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Dennis Rodman has been suspended from basketball for kicking a cameraman in an outburst of uncontrolled anger. Perhaps you saw it on television. According to the Chicago Tribune, some therapists watching the incident say Rodman needs help. Reflecting on that particular incident, I thought Mr. Rodman is not the only person who needs help in our society. He's not the only angry person. We encounter them every day. A waitress is slow at a restaurant, a line is too long over at Drager's, a checker seems too slow, and what happens? We erupt in anger. Last week, a teenager ignited a pipe bomb two blocks from where my wife and I used to live when we were in Malibu. When asked why he did it, he said, I'm angry at my neighbors. Delay an instant for a stoplight after it changes, and you can trigger vile language, a vulgar gesture, or even a gunshot. The other morning here on Santa Cruz, a guy pulls out. The fellow behind him blows his horn. The fellow stops right in the middle in front of Hillview School, gets out, goes and pounds on the windshield of the other guy. People are on the edge, and we know it. It seems somehow society has lost its civility. Confrontation and rudeness are the norm. Too many people are on the edge. Maybe you are. And this is where our words from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount becomes relevant. Because he's here today to tell us that he can offer us supernatural resources by which to live with self-control in an anger-filled environment. And you and I need those kind of resources. Our Lord is warning us of the destructive potential of uncontrolled anger. And interestingly, he places it on common ground with murder. And that's what makes this text a little bit tricky to discuss. Because he says, you've heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. They're on a par. Most of us would not hesitate to say we're angry sometimes. Few of us would want to think we're murderers. So let's study this text. And Find out what Jesus is saying. 
First, we need to ask, what kind of anger is Jesus forbidding in this commandment? One of the mistakes evangelicals have made through the years, and I was trained well in this way, that any expression of anger is wrong, it's sin. And so I was trained at a very early age to just stuff it if you have anger. The problem is, if you stuff anger, it's gonna come out some other way. So what is Jesus saying? Well, the Apostle Paul makes an interesting statement to the Ephesians. Be angry, but don't sin. We can conclude, not all anger is sin. Dr. Peck talks about many forms of anger. An incident triggers an outburst, and immediately we realize our response was silly and immature. Or we believe a person did something to hurt us, but after reflection, we realize it was an accident, and their behavior doesn't really warrant our anger. But then sometimes there's a happening where we really do get hurt and where controlled anger is not only justified, it, it's very much in order. You see, immediately in this text we need to say anger can either be appropriate or inappropriate. And Jesus is concerned here with inappropriate anger. Think about it. God himself became angry with Israel when they were disobedient. Jesus became angry with the Pharisees and a picture we don't often think about regarding Jesus. Remember what he did in the temple. He got physical. He took a whip and he beat the people who were selling animals and who were buying and selling in the temple. So what Jesus is warning about in this text is, he says, I'm commanding you against anger that we carry inside against someone who has wounded us, betrayed us, violated our rights, hurt us in ways we cannot forget or forgive. A, a woman just came up flooded with tear, tears last night after she realized, again, she couldn't forgive her husband. We have many single people or divorced people who have been absolutely racked by a mate and they can't let it go and she couldn't let it go. The pain was too intense. And then there's anger that makes us want to strike out to be verbally abusive, to get even, to behave in ways that totally contradict the presence of Christ's love in us. That's inappropriate anger. Or you can turn it around. Sometimes just to go into a pout and be very quiet can be as abusive as spouting words. John describes that kind of anger when he writes, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's how serious anger is. And I didn't say it, the Bible says it. Paul writes about inappropriate anger. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What we're developing here is that Jesus is forbidding anger that makes us want to strike out and get even with somebody who has hurt us. To do what God should do. God's the one who takes vengeance. Now there are some people we might call walking time bombs because we never know when they're gonna explode. Uh, the extreme would be individuals who suddenly appear at the place, their place of employment and shoot everybody. We've seen some examples of that, and that's scary. But you know, many of us, I'm finding, live on the edge of explosive anger. The slightest provocation pushes us over the edge. It causes us to explode like a grenade, and we say things and we do things that we regret later. Have you ever done that? 
I just know, I, I, I know people, I've been around here long enough, who I know are hair triggers, who are very short-fused people, and you've got to kind of handle them gently, and maybe you have a husband or a wife or a child or a friend like that. And I want to ask you, do you want to be that kind of person? A counseling service has established in Southern California, uh, has been established in Southern California to help drivers who turn ballistic behind the wheel, who lose control of anger so much that they want to strike out and even use their vehicles as an instrument of destruction. And that's not so isolated that this guy is making a big business counseling people who are honestly frightened what they're going to do on the freeway when they get so angry. So let me get personal and ask you, how would you rate yourself on the anger scale? Uh, in your business environment, with your friends, or in your personal life? And equally important, how would those who observe you rate you? Would you be considered a person prone to anger? <clears throat> Are you a person with a short fuse who sort of has to be cushioned and insulated or you're going to blow off? Jesus is concerned about that. That's what he's talking about. And he forbids uncontrolled anger because it hurts others, it hurts us, and above all, it contradicts everything we profess in terms of being followers of Jesus and in our effort to be contagious Christians. Now, I think it's scary to think of anger on a par with murder, but that's the way Jesus gets our attention. It's just that dangerous. And my personal experience would validate that Jesus is absolutely right. As I dealt with this sermon, I, I realized I, I'm not and I've never been a person who seeks revenge against those who hurt me. That isn't my problem. And I'm not one who ever really strikes out in anger. I'm not physical. And I thought I was doing pretty good. But then I was 60 a couple weeks ago. And my family gave me this very lovely album, you know, of um, pictures going way back to the beginning of our marriage and my, the birth of my children. And then all the years of bicycling and vacationing. And as I read that beautiful album and looked at the pictures and heard what they said, I also had a lot of memories of my past. And I made this decision. If I could live my life over again, at the very top of the list of things I would do differently would be to control my angry verbal outbursts, particularly toward those I love most. That's where my anger hits me. I'm a professional with words. And on Sunday morning, I can use my mouth to bless you, at least hopefully I do, and then I can go home and hurt others. You see, I can't hurt you because you'd fire me. But where I'm in an environment where those people put up with me, I use my mouth to bless and to curse. That's not good, and I would do it differently. Probably most of us would agree with this warning from Jesus about anger. But you know, if you're like me, it raises some questions. What do we do if we're prone to anger? What, if we do, what do we do if we're chronically addicted to spouting words and doing things about which we later feel embarrassed or remorseful? There wasn't one time when I was ever blown off with my mouth that I didn't regret afterward and said, I wish I could withdraw those words, but I couldn't. What do, we, what do we do if there's someone who has hurt us so much like the woman in church last night, one against whom we are harboring inappropriate anger and we just can't let it go? Or, or maybe here's the critical question. How can we reach a point of that spiritual maturity where we're angry for the right reasons, expressed in the right way, to the right people, 
at the right time with the right outcome. That kind of self-control is impossible, I think. Not only think, I know. Because you see, it requires supernatural help to be that mature. And of course, that then leads us to the second truth in the sermon. God has provided Christians with supernatural power to become what we never could be in our own strength. He gives us power to control inappropriate anger, and that's the good news. I don't often preach on a subject where I say I'm making progress. Usually I'm in the middle of it, but I, I need to tell you something, and I think people who know me would agree. In some areas of my life, I've made progress, and I am a different person in terms of anger than I was 15 years ago. I am not as, or very often, verbally abusive anymore. There's been a journey, and I, I just hold that out not as bragging, but as giving hope to you who are prone to it. Jesus Christ can make a difference, but it takes time and it's a journey. And I want to offer at least three things Scripture offers. Let's say a portrait of what would it look like of a person who is on a journey to control anger. This has been my journey. First. Scripture would suggest the wisdom of delaying the expression of our anger rather than reacting on the impulse of the moment on emotion alone. This has helped me indescribably. Proverbs puts it this way. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow, he who delays anger, quiets contention. A fool gives full vent to his anger, and that's how I've often felt when my fuse went off. But a wise man quietly holds it back. Doesn't repress it, just holds it back and reflects before they blow. As followers of Jesus, I'm suggesting we can seek the power of the Holy Spirit to simply enable us to delay the expression of angry feelings until we've had time to think through the situation. The problem with anger is it usually stops us from thinking. Delaying the expression of anger gives us time to consider, for example, what forces led this person to the behavior that hurt me? <clears throat> that thinking will leverage our anger against understanding. And often then we no longer feel a need to strike out. Very often when I think through something that, where I'm really buzzed at a person and then I start thinking a little bit of why they're that way, I just don't need to be angry anymore. Then delaying can provide time for us to conclude that this person against whom we feel anger has done nothing worse than sins we have committed and for which God has forgiven us. That's a powerful one. Waiting just long enough before you strike out and you realize that whatever you're angry at in that person, you're guilty of at some other time in your life and somehow you just don't want to strike out anymore. Inevitably, to delay expressing anger leads us at least to do it more rationally or feel no need to do it at all. So the Bible's right. The person slow to express anger has great understanding. Another uh, part of the portrait of what it looks like, a person who's self-controlled in terms of anger would be, it's a person who keeps short accounts. Paul suggested to the Ephesians, and this is a great verse, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That is very valuable. Emptying our agendas before bedtime is helpful wisdom. Resentment 
bitterness, anger get a stranglehold on us, particularly if we sleep on them, and, and, and we just won't let something go, and in the morning it's worse. Uh, let me ask, have you ever had a good fight with someone close to you? And then suddenly you have an incredible memory for every mistake and weakness that person has, every has ever demonstrated. And then you bring up the whole garbage bin of the past and you dump it into the present conflict. Now, I'm an expert at that. I've reached a, a stage in my life where I sometimes can't even remember names. But boy, when it comes to a good fight with my wife, I can remember what she's done for 32 years. And I'm very good at dumping it. And what this means is I haven't kept short accounts. I've nurtured it, and it's there, and it's ready to come out. Or, have you ever gone to bed stubbornly believing, I have a right to be angry, and I'm not going to budge until that person admits their guilt or their involvement in this matter? Very often, we're like a child in a high chair pounding on its tray, I have a right to be angry, and we nourish that right. And what we don't know is we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And if you sleep on it, it can literally affect your physical health. The Bible suggests that as a second part of getting controlling anger, that it's healthy to get stuff resolved before bedtime. That's in scripture. It's a great piece of psychological advice. Empty the trash like you do on your computer so it won't become a catheter dripping poison into your souls while you're trying to sleep. Thankfully, that's how God deals with our sins. He forgives and he forgets, and God never brings up the trash bin of the past and dumps it in the present. We're never going to hear from him in, in present, in time, or in eternity. And I say, thank God. I don't want my past brought up. And then perhaps the most effective weapon for controlling inappropriate anger from Scripture in the Christian's arsenal is forgiveness. And I think this is the toughest. Forgiveness works because it's an alternative to anger. Forgiveness means we no longer seek retribution against the one who's hurt us. And if you've been hurt, that's tough. It requires a supernatural act from God. Forgiveness frees us to live in a broken world, maintaining loving relationships with imperfect people. That's the only way this church holds together. We're a group of imperfect people who live in an imperfect world, and we're called to love each other, not because we're perfect, but because Jesus loves us, and he gives us the power to forgive each other and put up with this motley crew that we are. Forgiveness is motivated simply by the fact Jesus has forgiven us. And if you aren't aware of how much he's forgiven you, then you don't have the power to forgive somebody else. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's possible to mix forgiveness, mercy, compassion, and understanding with our anger, and that becomes a partial answer for controlling it. <clears throat> we begin to see the person who wronged us for what he or she is, just a failed human being, not infinitely different from us. This sermon probably wouldn't be very useful if we stopped right here. I need to add another dimension to the control of anger before we close. Hearing about steps to control anger or hearing even that one preacher's made a little progress, that isn't enough and it's not going to help you. If we're honest, your response to Jesus and to me, if you have the problem, should have already been going something like this. Jesus, obviously, if I, I would control anger if I could, but I can't. 
You know the situation. There's nothing more I can do. I've tried and I failed and I need your help. And I give you permission to do anything necessary to win that victory in my life. I think we have to reach a point of total helplessness and brokenness regarding this problem before it will ever come under control. Jesus appreciates honesty. He already knows we can't obey the demands of this sermon, otherwise we wouldn't need a savior. The point of the sermon is not to give us an ethic to live by, it's to drive us to our knees in front of the cross. And admitting the control of anger is that, that it's not within our power is part of the solution. You see, it's not enough to refrain from expressing anger. Jesus even makes it tougher. He says, we're to love those against whom we feel angry. That's really impossible. So I ask again, do you harbor anger in your heart? Perhaps your wound is old. As we've learned so much in these times, a parent might have abused you. A friend owes you money. Your mate abandoned you. Someone got the job you thought you deserved. The children you raised seem to have forgotten you. Max Lucado puts it this way. Part of you wants to cry. Part of you wants to fight. There's a fire burning in your heart. It's the fire of anger. It's blazing. It's consuming. And you're left with a decision. Do I put that fire out or do I heat it up? Do I get over it or get even? Do I release it? Or resent it? Do I let my hurts heal or do I let them turn to hate? And so as we close, I would invite you who feel you have a problem with anger to join me in what I do constantly regarding this issue, and that's to go to God in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to come with me to Jesus and lay our hearts before him, asking him to send his spirit to heal the tempers that are beyond our control. Asking him to provide the power to give the mercy that God has given to us to the one against whom we feel anger and then to forgive rather than get even and ask him for that miracle because we can't do it. And I think a very appropriate way to close would simply be to go now in silent prayer and take that situation, that issue, that person that's maybe poisoning your soul today and let's just give it to God. And I believe this will be another step on our journey to get control of our anger. And to the degree we do, this church will become an influence in this community for civility, desperately needed. And at that point, we'll become very contagious as Christians. Let's bow in silent prayer and bring that issue before God. Lord, we think of the division in our world, even this morning, between nations, between tribes, between ethnic groups. And then we think of the hostility in our society right here in the peninsula. And then we look at our own personal lives, the anger we feel at situations, at the office, at a neighbor, at a mate, at a child, a friend. And God, we confess we need your help. We want to hear these words from you, Lord Jesus. We want to get rid of anger. We want to control it, and we can't do it. 
unless your Holy Spirit works. And even right now, we give you what we can't control and pray for a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen.